people are lonely, even when they have loads of friends. Sometimes you may have nobody to confide in, and we all need that intimacy. We're hungry to be close to each other. And in the old days, generations lived together. When I was growing up, I had three uncles, an aunt, grandma, my parents, we all lived mm-hmm. in the same house. And then you had all these different people doing stuff with you. So Shasta says that you have to think of friendship as a triangle. All friendships start at the base of that triangle. Hello and welcome to Come Chai with me in Culture Vultures Pod Cafe. I'm your host Simi and my co-hosts are my very good friends Manju and Kiki. Before I go any further, I'd like to explain who Culture Vultures really are. We are a group of friends who like to explore places, experience culture by visiting museums and art galleries and exhibitions. We are friends who have laugh and sometimes deep and meaningful conversations about life, love and the universe. In this podcast, we'll be chatting about different lifestyle topics, which could include discussing a podcast, talking about a Netflix program, reviewing a book. We may even invite a guest for a chat. So we thought why don't we invite you into our pod cafe to listen in to our conversations looking forward to your company over a cup of garam chai in our last podcast we talked about factors to improve our mental well-being and happiness and on top of the chart came creating social and deep meaningful connections with people so we thought in this podcast we'll explore this topic of friendship in greater depth also thank you for sending us feedback on our previous podcast we are so happy that our listeners are enjoying the choice of our topics our discussions listening to our personal experiences and finding our topics beneficial and taking some practical tips to improve their well-being let's start today's show on friendship how do we make friends how do we create deep and meaningful social connections we have been looking at lots of ted talks podcasts and done a lot of research on friendship and social connections we've looked at the work of dr jill squire who is a writer speaker and clinical psychologist in colorado texas and she conducted an online survey on how to define friendship friendship is a kind of kind of like love you know when you see it by trying to come up with a universal definition is not easy so she conducted an online survey in which she interviewed 600 people and they all came up with different definitions of friendship and i think we're going to share some of them to start off our podcast on friendship So for me friendship is when two or more people mutually enjoy the presence of one another they are able to support and count on each other and they feel truly comfortable in each other's company For me friendship is a bond between two people where both of them feel valued 
I think friendship provides an anchor for one's validation of the outside world apart from your family and things so that you know you're standing in the world, how you deal with your life, your place in it. It's important. Uh, for me, friendships, it's so difficult to define because it encapsulates so much. But I just know that it's critical in my life. I don't think I could do without friends or friendships. No, that's true. I think friends are very important. They play a really important role in our lives, don't they? What friendship traits are really important to us? For me, personally, having sort of shared interests with someone, having sort of similar sense of humour and you enjoy each other's company and someone who is actually a, a good listener and takes interest in you. Also someone who is quite spontaneous for me and finds any excuse to meet up and spend time with me like you guys do. You know, we are very spontaneous. Yeah. We always say yes to everything, don't we? <laughs> exactly. I think there should be an equal amount of give and take. Somebody who makes you feel positive about yourself, good about yourself, provides emotional support, is non-judgmental. It's somebody that you always want to make time for and you're able to count on that person as well at the same time. Oh, definitely. But do you know what? There's so many traits that it's really hard. I mean, if you see on Google or whatever, there's like a list of 100. But mm. for me, like fun to be with somebody, enjoy trying out new things, going to different places. That's quite important. Honest and someone who's really trustworthy, because sometimes they will say things and you will say things that you don't really want to hear or say. But if it's through honesty and trustworthy, you know it's not going to go anywhere else. And it comes from a good place, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, 100%. But Simi, you mentioned being a good listener. To me, that's really important because sometimes it's good to be silent. You just have to listen. Exactly. And for a lot of us, that's really hard to do. And I think I've discussed this with Manju and my other friends. I'm always saying, right, can you just listen, please? <laughs> Because there's always something to say, but sometimes the other person just can't wait to say something. We always have to learn how to just listen. And I've just noticed with some people, obviously not you two, someone, it's always like, oh, me, 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 me. They don't mm. really want to True. listen. They talk about themselves and then basically that's the end of the conversation. Mm. So is that a good friend? Yeah. It is an equal give and take yeah. friendship, isn't it? In terms of listening That's as well. True. I mean, yeah. I know loads of people where you talking to them, but they are not really there. Yeah. Concentration is somewhere yeah. else. They're looking around and, you know, and I just think, what is the point of me? And then sometimes you just don't really need advice. Exactly. Yeah. You just want a listening ear. You don't yeah. really want advice. Yeah. But, you know, we were talking about different kinds of friendships, Kiki, weren't we? So what are the different kinds of friendships you think there are? Well, I've been doing a little bit of research, not a lot. Aristotle, he's got a theory about friendship and he's put it into like three categories. First category is it's called utility. The second is pleasure. And there's a third one called goodness. So if you think about the first one, that's about having kind of a benefit with friends. You don't use them in a horrible way, but they're kind of useful. They could be, you know, work people, work benefits. Even your neighbour, if you want to use them for, you know, they come in handy for little tasks or just to help you out. Especially when your kids are young 
and you make oh, friends yeah. with other moms speaking and school runs and things like that maybe that's a bit yeah, of a benefit kind of friendship I suppose sure and I've just noticed I haven't really got any of those friends anymore <laughs> <laughs> it's because your kids are grown up you don't need those they're grown up I'm retired I'm not working so that category doesn't really maybe slightly Mm. but not a lot I haven't really thought about that what about you guys have you got any in like the utility now that you say that I think same sort of thing I think it is to do with younger children growing up and you working so you're trying to juggle so many things that you count on each other don't you you do carpools and all kinds yeah. of things you know you take their kids out for play dates they take your kids out and that kind of stuff even maybe colleagues at work you might ring them or meet up to talk about something that you're doing at work yeah that you might need help with or if you've got business I mean that doesn't really that's go true. for us yeah I think that's why sometimes work friendships get a bit limiting don't they but that sort of brings me yeah. into the second one about Aristotle that one's pleasure so that could be people that you have got from your colleagues or, you know, your utility area. And that's like, you might start going out with them. You've got the same sort of tastes. There's lots of things that you do just for pleasure. You could be going for a walk like these days, everyone's going for a walk, can't they? Or it might be your uni friends, share a hobby with. Theatre friends or book club friends or something like that. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it doesn't go much deeper than that, but you still enjoy their company yeah. and have a good time with them, but that's kind of where it sort of could finish. It could develop depending on how much time you give and how much you nurture that kind of friendship, I guess. Well, right? It could be a starting point, but I know I've got a few friends who I just see maybe a few times a year and we go out occasionally like I say a few times and then nothing really much else happens that's fun that's the end of it you know that's that that sort of friendship mm-hmm. but the Aristotle one the, the sort of the final one is called goodness and this is where you've got mutual admiration you love being with them there's no judgment and that's like a really quality friendship for me that's like a really deep and meaningful one my personal experience is I've got, say, five really good friends in my life at the moment. And they started off as the utility because I met them at school as colleagues. Then we started going out with each other, going to the cinema, going on holiday, and it got deeper and deeper. So now 30 years later, I can actually call it the goodness friendship, where it is just you know, I can talk to them about anything and it's really deep and meaningful. So that started utility, pleasure, and now it's ended up with lifelong 30 years and we're still carrying on. I would say that's a damn good friendship. (laughs) (laughs) Manju and I probably come in that category, I would think, because you are my oldest, not the old, old, but the oldest friend. We've been through different stages of life together, different milestones, kids' birthdays, kids' weddings even. We've sort of kept in touch. We've nurtured our friendship. There was a phase in life where we were probably slightly drifted apart, but then we came back together again, didn't we? But I also remember when you were doing a PGCE and you used to come every Friday (laughs) to have tea with me, and that was part of your... Yeah. college timetable you just made that as a timetable for me 
and I, it was great, you know, and that's yeah. how I think, I guess we need to nurture our friendships, don't we? You know, and before out. that, when we first started, we used to ring each other every day. Yes. One day you'd ring, one day I'd ring. But it's interesting, isn't it? We meet people at different stages of our lives and some stay as our acquaintances and with some we end up developing more deeper friendships. But how do we make these deep and meaningful connections, Manju? As Kiki sort of has demonstrated really nicely, that step thing, starting from the utility, then the pleasure, and then the really good friendships. Mm-hmm. I was listening to Shasta Nelson's TED talk called For Intimacy. That's what she says. She says people are lonely even when they have loads of friends. Sometimes you may have nobody to confide in, and we all need that intimacy. We're hungry to be close to each other. And in the old days, generations lived together. When I was growing up, I had three uncles, an aunt, grandma, my parents. We all lived Mm -hmm. in the same house. And then you had all these different people doing stuff with you. So Shasta says that you have to think of friendship as a triangle. All friendships start at the base of that triangle. When you meet somebody for the first time, that's what you do. You find out about each other. You sort of have some kind of gut instinct that you like that person. You try and take it further, you know, try and get to know them a little bit. And some friendships just stay there. Some friendships, they just click from the minute you Mm. see them. You don't know the reason why it just happens. That's right. You know, you can just say, oh, actually, I really had a wonderful time with Mm it talking to this person. So people like that, then you want to take the initiative and try to get to know them a little bit better. So how do you build these deeper friendships? So how do you climb up that triangle? And Shasta's got this theory that you have three requirements of healthy friendships. One is positivity. So she says, when you do make friends and things, you have to have a ratio of five positive interactions to one negative one. So you don't want to put a downer on everything all the time. You want to have some fun. You want to come away feeling energized. Means not always being negative and not just mourning about something all the time, but just be positive and, you know, look at the right side of things. Because often they say, if your friends are negative, that sort of brings you down too. You're quite good at bringing people up and being positive. Yeah. And I think, Kiki, you're the same. (laughs) No, um, (laughs) I know that when I'm going to sit in your company, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to laugh. And for a little while, you forget your troubles or whatever it is that might be bothering you and whatever. And you don't always just need to talk about it. Having similar values and interests is a strong bond. If you're doing activities you all enjoy, Mm -hmm. that is a good bond. Those are the kind of things you want to be looking for when you're making deeper friendships. There is a little word called synchronicity. People have been researching and saying that if you do activities that involves uh, synchronizing stuff like line dancing, even choirs and praying, and that's how book clubs and things like that, or doing kindness, you know, charity together, it gives you a sense of purpose and it builds you up together very well. There's another uh, word in Japanese called ikagai. Mm. It's called reason for being. Again, Mm. it's giving back to community and things like that. So you're, you're building bonds by doing stuff together and feeling good about it. What I got out of the three, let's say the vertices of the triangle, one is obviously that you just said positivity. Positivity. And the second is 
being consistent. consistent yes isn't it that you know yeah. if yeah. you have made a relationship you need to find time to spend some time with your friend or make That's- you know dates to kind of go out with them and things like that so it, it requires consistency and the third i think point was showing your vulnerability to them that's true that, yeah. that you, you know, have to let people in you yes. you have to share personal stuff with them and it doesn't always have to be any private stuff that you don't want to but general things like challenges to your marriage your children growing up workplaces you know we always have little bits and things that you just like to just mm-hmm. talk over with people just feel better about it sometimes they may have advice about it and sometimes mm-hmm. they you know you don't always need advice you just need a, a listening ear like you said earlier then the trust and the bond builds and then you can share things that are going well for you uh, in life as well anything that's causing happiness in your family life or work life or whatever it is you share with that with your friends too Yeah, yeah not real deeper the, bonds. You get to know each other really, really well. Yeah. Now I think that's yeah. really important. Yeah. Those three points, and yeah. I think I'm gonna yeah. make that as my life mantra. Really, seriously, yeah. Kiki. I mean, I think sometimes we talk to a friend, and then for months, you know, we don't make a contact. And you know, if we feel that that friendship does deserve to be yeah. nurtured, we need to be consistent. We do need to ring them. We do need to be. vulnerable to them sometimes if we need to share our good times and bad times so yeah i think that three points are really really important yeah and um, like you both said earlier on my friendship when i look at my close circle of friends i've known them for 30 40 years mm-hmm. i've not needed to have very many more join that group of friendships i've made a few but not very many because we've just yeah. deepened our bond with the ones we made such a long time ago even if you've got the pleasure ones that's fine as well yes mm. exactly even occasionally you don't need to go any deeper and that's fine yeah yeah exactly moving on to this other podcast that we all listen to the podcast was by Drew Prohit he was interviewing this lady called Marta Zareska who appeared on his podcast and she's actually an author of a book called Growing Young and in fact I really would like to read that book now after reading so much about it <laughs> what it does it talks about how friendship optimism and kindness can help you live to 100 or beyond not that I want to live 100 and beyond but you know it's for longevity in this book she talks about while healthy nutrition and physical activity is important Science shows that friendship, purpose in life, empathy and kindness are even more powerful than diet and exercise. And the more we learn about human body, the more we realize that how powerful the connections between happiness and health are. Studies actually show, I like to include some data which says that building a strong support network of family and friends lower your mortality risk. by about 45% compared to exercise which lowers by 23 to 33%. So that's quite interesting isn't it? Robin Dunbar uh, he's an anthropologist from Oxford University. He says friendships about creating small scale intensely bonded groups that act as protection to life stresses and if you release that stress it's bound to have an impact on your health isn't it? And also Marta Zraska that we were just talking about she talks about made me laugh actually nagging effect and i think we women get sort of bad press for that don't we 
that's apparently good for our partners and men Yay. in our lives. Would you like to expand on that, Manju? <laughs> I would. I I would like my husband to hear that. You know? <laughs> yeah, we all because he has such a busy schedule. He does a lot of community work, a lot of charity work, and he's on so many, so many groups that actually it, it's difficult to make time for social or even for me. So what we finally started doing, I would look at his monthly calendar and I would block days off, and I would say. days for manju days for manju days for manju so he would know that we're going to do something that i want on those days and the rest of the month he could do whatever so i am the one who looks after the social calendar you know uh-huh. gets friends together to go out or do stuff we'd have meals together i'm the one who says we're going to go for a walk and we're going to visit this new park or whatever this is what we're going to eat <laughs> all of that Yes, yeah, so I think this is what she meant that men benefit from romantic and committed relationships because us women organize their social diaries really well and we even nag them to adapt sort of healthy lifestyle, push them to go to exercise or just, you know, talk about healthy food or serve them healthy food or ask them to make healthy food. You know, my husband and I we've been member of this health club. We've been attending this class and it's called step aerobics and seriously i introduced him to the class and then he got addicted to it every saturday nine o'clock wake up without fail to the gym go to the class and it was a one and a half hour long class intense workout but the good thing was after the class we would all sit down with our gym friends and have a like nice cup of coffee enjoy a chat and their company and some of them some of those friendships sort of developed it further as went up the triangle and you know we became slightly good friends and it was just nice thing to do every saturday you know after the class have this little social thing together so we women are good for men <laughs> Go but on. i don't think that our family would have ever been on family holidays if it wasn't for me now <laughs> there would be no family holidays exactly i think in our household also i i started doing the research on where we going and you know and then my husband gets involved right at the end when we have to finally make the booking so we do do a lot for them whether they agree with that or not can i just say my husband just paid for my daughter's wedding and the rest he had nothing else to do <laughs> let him not hear this podcast yeah <laughs> he just had a damn good time on the day another thing that she was talking about quarter of us don't even know the name of our next door neighbor and apparently neighbors are also good for our well-being kiki do you know the name of your next door neighbor Well, a few of them I do know, but it was so funny. During this lockdown, I went for a walk and I bumped into a lady that lived about 3 or 4 doors down, and I just said, "Oh, hello. Are you new to the neighborhood because I'd never seen her before? I've been here 35 years." And she said, "Oh, I've been here 25 years and we'd never bumped into each other." <laughs> so, definitely know some of my neighbors, but the others even though it's a few doors away i hadn't seen her 35 years but now having talked to her she said you know she's going to retire soon and we'll get a chance to get together and maybe get to know each other better 
Would you like to know, Kiki, that research shows that knowing your neighbors is good for you? It's good for your body functions and reduces your stress level and you can rely on them if there's an emergency. Kind no, that of is true. Reduces your cortisol, which is a stress hormone, even the risk of diabetes and cancer. So integrating with our neighborhood is quite important. Mm -hmm. We should really get to know our neighbors. And I think um, I would like to say where we live now, which we moved sort of about seven years ago, things are quite different before we didn't know any neighbors. Seriously, I could not name my next door neighbor's name, even though we lived there for 21 years. But when we moved here, maybe we made a bit more effort or it's just this kind of uh, community thing was going on. You know, we are part of the residence association. But you have to make an effort for that as well. Yes, you do, you do. You have to make an effort. Yeah, but it's a lot of like, it's a walking club, there's a running club, there's all sorts of things. There's Mm -hmm. gardening club even, and my husband volunteers and he cuts the mourns the grass like every you know other weekend and you know then they have their pictures taken so it's all communal thing that goes on which kind of makes you feel happy in being part of the community and it's a bit like Rosetta effect that Marta was talking about and there's a little story isn't it about a town in Pennsylvania yeah the Rosetta effect so that was like a study it was done in the 1960s like you say a town in America So they had a whole load of immigrants that had come from Italy and they set up like they had a really good community. All the guys used to meet up in cafes and things. Women did things together, real good friendship bonds. But one thing that they noticed during that time was that there was no heart attacks of men under the age of 55 because they were all having this community effect doing things together. And it wasn't associated with food. It doesn't doesn't matter what kind of food they had, exercise, none of that really mattered. That didn't have the impact on no heart attack. I mean, when they moved, they switched over to American way of living. So they switched, they started having unhealthy diet, smoking, drinking, nothing else changed. The only thing that was different that they continued with their community kind of things that they used to do in Italy, didn't they? Like the younger generation kind of started to move away as well, which had an impact. Yeah, so then I think it was the late 60s when they had the first record of a man dying under the age of 50. And then by the 80s, they said that the town was basically like any other town in America. Mm. So all the heart attacks, all the other diseases and things started happening and that's really down to community so I mean it just again shows the importance of friendship and being part of a community because as you said that a town that was doing so well and there was no cardiovascular problem in 1960s but later on it just all developed and island of longevity disappeared which is quite unfortunate people used to do a lot of community stuff you know when my grandmother when I was little my grandmother and all the aunts in the families and things they would all get together especially around the summertime and they would go to everybody's household all their nephews nieces children's houses they would all together you know there were like four or five old ladies they would make everybody's pickles for the year they would make you know poppadoms uh, all the stuff that was made by hand and things they would all prepare them for each family yeah they had good healthy lives they had each other for company they had a purpose to their life they weren't just sitting around 
all by themselves in households with nobody to talk to. But I remember, like, he wasn't really my uncle, but obviously with us Indians, we call everyone our uncles. Yeah. And uncles. <laughs> <laughs> there was one uncle, and he used to just gather all the children. This was in Newcastle. He used to gather all the kids, it doesn't matter what family they were from, and he'd take us out to the beach for the day. So it didn't matter what family you were from. They just did it as, you know, let's all go to the beach and have fun. I don't know whether the society has changed or is it because certain places like you can say back in you know countries like India where there is more communal things still happening or yeah. things have changed over there too as you know people are sort of moving out of extended families people have got jobs you know ladies are working so they don't have those opportunities anymore and now with the social media people don't need to make those connections because they're quite capable of That's being true. on their own sit in your car yeah. go to work open your laptop and yeah. then just connect through social media and not having to make those personal contacts so as we kind of talked about how communal activities are important and how friendship is important but the problem is those who are lonely or don't have that kind of network or don't have any friends how can they make friends what can we do about it if we don't have any friends where do we start I think the simplest thing to do is to look for people who are like-minded and join maybe some clubs, some activities, and really take the initiative to try and talk to people. Like, I remember when I uh, retired, I thought, okay, you know, what kind of skills do I want to learn? And I used to like sewing when I was young, so I went to a sewing class, and there were other people over there, and I got talking to them, and it's hard to just speak to people or whatever. I'm not one of the world's most mm -hmm. easiest person to, you know, I can spend hours just sitting by myself. <laughs> so it was hard for me, but I thought, you know, I'm going to say hello to this person. I'm going to see what they do and what they do. And it, it turns out that you just talk to people and somebody might create a spark and then you take it a little bit further. You might meet for a coffee or something, or you might do some classes together and then go on from there. So it really does have to start at the bottom. We all started going to the painting class, didn't we? Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. We knew yeah. each other, but I think sometimes that's a difficult step, isn't it? If we don't know anyone and trying to yes. go to place by yourself sometimes requires a little it bit is of daunting. courage. It is because daunting. It's, yeah. yeah, exactly. As I said before, uh, we moved to this place like seven years ago. And my mom, who lives in America and often visits us every year, she came that year when we moved here and she was not too happy that she didn't know anyone because there she was quite comfortable. She had been coming to our old house for like last 20 years. <laughs> On the first day, I remember she arrived and it was September. So I had to go to work. So that means she was on her own in this new neighborhood, in this new house. So she ventured out for a walk and she actually, the first lady she thought she could talk to, she actually said hello to her and they <laughs> got chatting. So when I came back from work, oh, actually I met a new friend. I made a friend. I said, okay. So yeah, it just carried on. So a couple of days later, I come back and there are like, you know, nice fresh cups of tea on my dining table. So like, oh, who are you entertaining mother? And she said, oh, oh my friend came over. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> Because I've been living in this place for six months. I haven't made any friend, but my mom has. So yeah, I think she's quite good with that sort of thing. So she comes over from America and every year she has to buy these little gifts for her senior citizen friends. And I say, mom, 
you do that every year. Why do we need to buy every year? But no, she has to make these little personal small gifts. And now it's quite interesting because she comes in and she makes dates with this lady that she's met. And she goes out together. Oh, by the way, she's That's got two. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so she keeps in touch even when she's in America. And, you know, so, yeah, I mean. Who doesn't want a little gift now and then? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you can... my parents do the same. They come from India. They come and stay with me for a couple of months. And the first time they came, because they go for walks every day back home, they found the nearest park. They went for a walk and everybody they met, they stopped and spoke to. And by the time they came back, they knew half a dozen people that I didn't even know. <laughs> so we have to take a leaf out of their book then, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. So, we need to learn from our parents. I belong to this in a wheel, which is also part of Rotary. That was instant friendship with so many ladies, so many people, because you join a group where like-minded people are doing stuff. Instantly, I made friends. So there are lots of ways of just going out there and just trying different things. Yeah. The word that I was remembering was the intentionality. So if you do have the intention, then you will make yes. the effort and if you see that little spark like you said you're not going to make friends with everyone but if you've oh. joined a group and you see this person I think maybe it's worth exploring yeah. if I can take this friendship to the next That's level right. and then you do those three things that you mentioned you which yes. is the yeah. positivity positivity the and vulnerability, and, the vulnerability. <laughs> That's right. and hopefully yeah. you can make slightly deeper and yeah. more meaningful friendships so it's something to think about. So a palliative care nurse, she wrote a book about the top five regrets that her patients had during their final weeks of life. One of them was, I wish I had stayed in touch with my golden friends. Let's move towards the guest segment of our show. Today we have Daksha, who is my friend, neighbour and a member of Culture Vulture Group. Welcome, Daksha, to Culture Vulture's Pod Cafe. Hi, Simi. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Manju. Nice to see you all. As you know, we are talking about friendship and making deeper, meaningful connections. So we're going to ask you some questions. Are you ready, Daksha? Okay. According to several studies, being in a healthy and supportive relationship can actually boost our happiness level. Is it healthy to just have your husband as your best friend or should you have more friends than your partner? I think that your husband, your partner is a really important part of your life and your friendship circle. However, I'm not convinced that they could be your best friend. Certainly my experience is that as a man, they can't empathize in the same way as other women can. And I don't know that they can share in the experiences in the way that you can share with other women. That's my view. And although they can be there and they can listen, they can be supportive, I'm not sure they can completely provide that compassion, that shared experience that you can when you share with other women who have had similar life experiences to you. So in that way, I don't think so. You can do things with your partner, your husband, but I think you need life outside of that. I don't believe that one person can provide everything you need from your range of friendships. I agree with the podcast where Drew Perohit was talking about the fact that one person cannot be everything. And to put that pressure on that one person isn't healthy for them. And I don't believe it's healthy for the relationship either. 
if you have just yeah. one friend, it's difficult for them to provide everything. Yeah. And same with with husband, yeah. I guess, isn't it? And so. I often wonder with those couples who are like that, what do they talk about? If you do everything <laughs> together and you yeah. go everywhere together, <laughs> uh, we know people who work together, are married for so many years, and they are just each other's friends, which is great. It works for them. But I just think. Oh, what do you talk about over dinner if you've gone to work together all day if you've done the same things what is there to share maybe it's those couples that you see in a restaurant that sit there and they don't talk to each other maybe they're so deep in their friendship they don't need to talk or sometimes you see a couple where they're sitting in a restaurant and they both are on their phones what kind of friendship is that then (laughs) and it is a balance because you have to have enough to do together and to share to maintain your relationship but you also need I think outside of that you need a a wider circle you need wider influences wider connections so then you bring that back into your relationship as well and what if you want to complain about your husband or even your husband's mother or your husband's sister you can't complain to him all the time can you sorry Daksha I was just going to say I've read quite a bit about how it seems easier for women to make a lasting friendship. So why do you think men struggle to have these close relationships and friendships? I think there's two things in there. I think one, it's not all men. I think obviously the study is saying significant numbers of men do, but I think it depends on the personality. And I certainly know some men who are really keen to have relationships and keep in touch with people and, you know, do all of that. But the majority don't. And I think it's around their socialisation. I think the expectation is that they cope. They don't need other people. They just have to get on with life. While we, as women, I think, are brought up to talk to each other, share with each other, mutually support each other. And therefore, we are socialised in that way more than possibly men are men meet Uh, on a more superficial level isn't it discuss hmm. the politics discuss the sports and things like that but not so much the emotional stuff they don't want to do it they've not been brought up to do it like exactly yeah yeah i think last time we were talking about the three points of a friendship or what makes a good friendship and i think vulnerability or sharing things was one of that and i think men generally find that hard to share their personal stuff and but my husband has got a group of friends that he goes out with but all they do is they just muck around pull each other's legs and a bit of fun and that's all it is i think women are slightly better i would say and making more sort of deep, the emotional support, meaningful it? connections, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like women, when they talk to each other, they're face to face. But men yeah. is generally they're side by side, like say in the pub, they're mm. sitting at the bar and they're all talking, but they're not talking yeah. by looking at each other. I found that really quite no. interesting. That's yes. interesting, yes, isn't it? it? I think I'll make that observation <laughs> next time when he goes on <laughs> distance. What do you think social media's role is, you know, like WhatsApp and Facebook and stuff? Are they good for making friendships and things like that? I think it's interesting, again, social media, because I think it gets slated quite a lot. And even, again, in the the podcasts and things that we listen to, it's about, oh, it's destroying our ability to make friends. But I think it can work both ways, because I think, yes, I think people rely on it. If they over rely on it and don't have actual relationships, then it's not helpful. The example I would give where it has been helpful is I've lived in this area for 20 years where I currently live. And until we set up the WhatsApp group, I didn't know anybody. And then in the last, I don't know, eight, seven, eight years after Simi came, I think, yeah. they set up this WhatsApp yeah. group. And since then, 
we know yes. all the neighbors we know everything that's going on we have social events and it's made a huge difference to yeah. a sense of community and a sense of belonging so I think in some ways it can work it's like anything isn't it over-reliance is not good and I think particularly yeah. for young people they seem to rely on that more than actual physical friendship yeah face-to-face yeah yeah, yeah. they're, they're yeah. doing less of that face-to-face um, yeah I worry about the younger generation and in terms of their development and if it is focused more on social media, will they then be able to develop long-term relationships in that kind of endearing way? But I think online friendships are quite good to start a friendship, can't we? I mean, people can find partners these days online on Tinder. Mm -hmm. Maybe there should be a Tinder for friends. I don't know. I mean, it does sort of... You know, it's a good starting point. There are well- lots of groups. Yeah, I see, you know, like lots of things pop up on the phone saying, you know, 50 plus groups and you, know, you can go out and do stuff mm. together and go out for meals, go meet for a drink or coffee. I think there are these um, meetup groups. They're called meetup yes, groups, aren't they? And that's you right. create yes. a meetup group based on yes. similarity of your hobby yes. or some similar interests. Yes. But I think you can then create offline yes. friendships from yes. the mm. starting of online friendship, isn't it? Because like, you know, it's... I- but I think they has been quite helpful in lockdown times, though, these bots. Absolutely. And also, I think it's quite less threatening. I mean, when you yeah. go and accost a stranger and try to talk to them, that can be yeah. difficult sometimes. Yes. But if it's, yes. uh, you know, texting somebody or saying, oh, do you fancy me? Yeah. It's just a little bit easier. I think they're good for maintaining relationships as yes. well. So yeah. where you don't see each other often, you can drop yes. each other a quick message and that feels more manageable while actually making the time sometimes once a week or once every couple of weeks to see each other probably be hard. And in this pandemic time, would we have kept Especially, in touch? I think it has been extremely valuable during lockdown times. Down One was gardening group and one was group called Cookshook Groups. And what these ladies did on that group was they shared their recipes, they shared their different things they tried and that kind of inspired other people and everybody started doing it and and that kind of brought them together and we're still hoping that one day we'll see you know each other face to face and have that personal connection but uh, hasn't happened yet but we're waiting for lockdown to be over but is it too late to start friendships at this stage of our lives a new friendship yeah i was interested to hear you talking about your elderly mother and how easy she she talks to people and my experience is the same with my mom I'll go shopping and she'll start chatting to everybody and I'm like you know because I think we're so kind of haven't got the time get on with it let's go you know all this kind of thing but also I think we are more reserved don't talk to people Mm. we don't know do we and I think Mm. there is something in the older generation that maybe they are more open than we are but again in the podcast they talked about intentional relationships and relationships for growth and I think that's particular in terms of as you get older you do seek out people that you would like friendships with and maybe people who will challenge you or make you develop new skills and new Mm. ideas and new experiences and I certainly I mean I've experienced that coming into this group meeting Simi you know at this stage in our (laughs) lives Uh, and I think you can if you want to commit to a relationship and you're looking for that in your life then I think there's no there is no sort of age limits or boundaries on it it's only yourself isn't it it's only you thinking oh I can't do it our friendship is more recent one but you know in this last couple of years we've had so many things that we've done together even Mm. lockdown because yeah it's just something you know like you said it's a connection isn't it we met through a social group in the area and then we started going bangra class together and that was like a regular thing once a week every week and i think that really gelled (laughs) i think we did more chatting than dancing (laughs) we did (laughs) 
Once Manju and Kiki they were practicing for this competition and we uh, we were just chatting in the back and they actually in fact asked us just can you do two just go at the back of the <laughs> back of the hall please because <laughs> all we've come here to do is chatting and talking and mucking around. It was so but, funny. We said if she asks us to go any further back we'll be outside. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had the giggles. Yeah. You know, friends are very important and it's never too late to make a, a new friend. And uh, I think we need to try a little harder and you never know who is round the corner. At this note, I'm going to say bye. Bye. As now we know, that loneliness and lack of social connections are detrimental to our health. It's linked with us having a greater risk of heart disease, higher blood pressure, stroke, cognitive decline, cancer and dementia. So let's do something about it. Let's open ourselves to make connections with people around us. Talk to strangers, neighbours, work colleagues, join a class, a group, to start a connection. And then, as Shaisa suggested, be positive and nurture those relationships to make deep and meaningful friendships. Let's aim to gradually evolve a beautiful mosaic of friends and community around us. In Marta's words, friendship is the most important journey we venture on in our lifetime. We all need deep and meaningful social connections so we not only survive but thrive together. You can join us on Facebook by searching for Come Chai With Me. Here you will find the link of the books, podcasts and TED Talks which we have included in this episode. We would love to hear from you with any feedback or suggestion on topics you'd like us to cover in the future.